What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, Clay Thompson here. I need to give a shout out to my mom. She said I should read the newspaper before games to take my mind off things. It's become a pregame ritual, but it also is how I stay informed. Keeping up on local news, sports, or just about anything, I read the paper. So should you. Whether it's digital or print, it doesn't matter. Go to clayoffer.com and subscribe today. Local news delivered your way, digital or print. Stay informed on news that matters to you. Go to clayoffer.com. Brought to you by the Mercury News, East Bay Times, and Marin Independent Journal. Take the baseline out. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Let it bump though. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another very special edition of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. It is the NBA Finals edition. I am here, as almost always, with Andy Bailey. Um, how are you doing tonight, Andy? I'm doing well. I'm. I'm. It's. NBA Finals Eve. I'm ready for the. Uh, I'm ready for the trilogy to wrap up. We'll have to call it something else when they meet again next year for the fourth straight time. But for now, it's a trilogy. Yeah. What do you What do you call it then? Is it when it gets to the fourth straight. <laughs> I don't know. Time? I'm gonna Google it. That's a good question. I, I don't, don't know, know if I. <laughs> I would. I don't even know what to ask Google about this. What comes after a trilogy? Maybe. Like part four. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus twenty eighty four per month for 36 months. Full price seven forty nine ninety nine zero percent APR. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> I don't know. It's... Jeff Van Gundy just said... Oh, a tetralogy is a four-part series. A tetralogy that has like no ring to it, and then a five part is a pentology. Pentology is good. Hexology is six, there's and no, heptology is seven. So we just got to get past four because four is pretty bad. Yeah, there's no uh, there's no sexology. Doesn't sextagon become a number or something like that? This thing that I'm looking at only goes hex for six and hept for seven. I don't know what's after that. Um, hept sounds like a disease. <laughs> Heptology? Yeah. Um, it's funny because Jeff Van Gundy just said that he thinks the Warriors, at least, can make eight to ten um, NBA finals in a row. And it sounds ridiculous. Something's going to go wrong at right. some point. Injuries or maybe you lose. I mean, like, 
I guess you could lose Clay Thompson, but if he wants to leave him free agency, but that's probably not really a big deal. Except you look yeah, at I don't. Andre Godala gets older, assuming you bring him back. Sean Livingston gets older, there could be an injury. At the same and again, it's stupid to try and project the league that far in advance because there, there could be a rookie this year. Markel Foles could just take over, yeah, become the best point guard in like that would be years. five more in a row, and that would Durant and Curry would both be in their mid thirties by then too. At the same time, though, if both of them stay healthy, it doesn't. Yeah, it's not like completely absurd, because, but I just feel like something's going to happen between now and then. But if you, when you think about it, in terms of five more, because they're they're almost halfway there, it's kind of <laughs> incredible. Yeah, that is insane. Um, just getting to like, I mean, a, a couple more on top of this wouldn't surprise me at all. The Cavaliers have no chance of doing that, right? Unless LeBron James is going to play uh, at that level when he's forty. Of getting eight to ten more, or like a couple more, or could, five? Could they, five more? James would okay. be. Yeah, I don't think yeah. so. When did, he'll be thirty-seven in five years. Someone asked me on a radio interview today or yesterday, "When will LeBron James fall off?" Which was somebody a, somebody a, asked me this recently too, actually. It's happened before in the past and I, I normally try and give a non cop out <laughs> answer, but this time I was like, This is just an unfair question, I'm gonna cop out because I'm at the point where I just think LeBron James is gonna be great as long as he wants to be great. It's just it, yeah, it's, it's crazy that there's no there hasn't been a sign of a drop off yet. It's not gonna be age conventional age anyway it's just gonna be there's gonna be a freak injury probably knock on there's wood right by me so that's fine but it's gonna <laughs> i don't be, even see that happening for him to go such, this right far without one it's it's really hard for me to imagine but that. it's it's almost I, like he's we, overdue for one yeah i think we've talked about this on the podcast before but i see like once he's done with this phase of his career i see him like transitioning into more of like an old school power forward, and that'll that'll last two or three years, and then he might even transition to another phase after that of like a spot up shooter. Do you think that he could last like till forty? I think do it, you, that doesn't seem crazy to me at all. That's I mean Vince Carter's forty now. Uh, yeah, and he's still effective, right? And it, as a spot up shooter mainly. Uh, yeah. Um, do you actually think that playing in the post as a traditional forward help him? Like that's going to be a lot of bruising all of a sudden. I feel like that might. I don't. I think he would be smart about it. Like you don't have to go down there and try to bang your way from 10 feet down to three. Like he could be kind of a guy that operates from the high post and watches the angles and, and dishes to people kind of like Nikola Jokic does now. I guess Catch the ball at the high post or the, the uh, like maybe mid post extended and just kind of observe the floor and hit a little turnaround mid range shot or, or hit a cutter. I, I think he'd be really smart about it. Or maybe he'll just reach the point where wasn't there a study where it said once we're like 25 or 35 games through the season, the order's already set? Maybe he just plays 35 games a year and just stays <laughs> super fresh for the playoffs. Well, yeah, that's another thing about him is he's he's mastered like pacing himself through the regular season. And he's probably, if he stays healthy, he's probably still going to break Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record, which is yeah. just I just, uh, I just did the math on that. Uh, the other day, and it's he's like five and a half seasons away from passing him on points and win shares. By the time he's done, he's gonna have the he's gonna be tops in every stat. It's it, it's people it's are just what is the argument gonna become against him at this point? Because it all it they, even seems like the rings argument is starting <laughs> to fall apart. There, I think there will still be people, even if LeBron ends up with like 
five titles and 11 or 12 finals appearances, people right. are still going to be like, well, Jordan was 6-0. and That's the I, dumbest. I, so, I, I shouldn't say the dumbest. People will still do it. Because the dumbest arguments are when people randomly bring Kobe into the conversation. Oh, my gosh. The fact that that still happens blows my mind, and it happens a lot. It's I, – I, I don't understand why. It's I guess when you're that well-known because he was basically a celebrity that – that helps. That seems like a part of these conversations, right? Is it, yeah, how famous it's just are they? his image. Yeah, but did you? Uh, we're, we're on LeBron a lot. This will be my last thing before we, because I I felt like you're about to transition. But did you see the thing I tweeted today? That big table of the top forty players. I did not. So uh, Tim Bonteps at the Washington Post, because it's the fortieth anniversary of the uh, ABA NBA merger. Mm-hmm. He released the top forty players in that time frame. And I just I, I made me curious. I thought, what what would be the top forty based just on numbers? So I took uh, everybody who's played fifteen thousand plus minutes since the merger. Um, that's just the rate requirement that Basketball Reference sets. And I took the ranks of everyone. It, there was five hundred forty guys in that group. I took all their ranks in PER, win shares, win shares per forty eight, box plus minus, and value over replacement player, and averaged all those. And Michael Jordan comes out first at 1.6, and LeBron's second at 2.6. Um, but he's going to pass him in the things that he's behind him in now within the next three or four years. So um, I think we've said in recent episodes that both of us are already on LeBron as number one, but I, any arguments to the contrary are going to be really flimsy here in a few years. And I, I think it's still fair to believe that Jordan was the greatest of all time. I don't agree with it anymore. And I think yeah. I've I've been there for probably the last year or two with LeBron. But once he retires, if we're just projecting another two, three years down the line, I just don't see where the case would be even for Jordan. For Even say LeBron doesn't win another ring. He's going to make at least another couple NBA finals. He's mm-hmm. played like this. You just look at people are quick to compare him to Magic Johnson, and he's more similar to Magic Johnson. Don't get me wrong, but he, we just haven't seen this this player before. There's just never no. been anything like him, and I agree. It's gonna be. We seem to come full circle to a point where we use achievements to like chop people down. Where it's like, oh, well, Jordan, uh, he was six and zero in the finals, but he he never he had first round eliminations where LeBron hasn't. We're gonna reach a point where it's like, well, LeBron got to play longer and he was healthy for too long. So yeah, that'll be part of it. It's just watching him is amazing, and he is. This will be the segue into the actual NBA Finals discussion. Now that we're about eight minutes deep into this <laughs> NBA Finals, that's what happens when you get talking years. about the Jordan versus LeBron debate. Which is someone pointed this out. It, it is kind of futile because it doesn't do anything for us. Except, yeah. except, I think, to the right ears, at least the logical ears, remind us that what we're watching is absolutely incredible and we should cherish it because we don't – there are plenty of good players in the league right now, but who's that Who's that bridge? You know, the, there was the Jordan to Kobe and then there was Kobe to LeBron. Uh, Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry are too old to be that kind of bridge from LeBron. Is it? Is it Giannis Antetokounmpo? Maybe, is it? yep. I was thinking Kawhi. Giannis is a good one too. I forget Kawhi because he's even younger than Kawhi. I think Kawhi's like twenty-five, maybe twenty-six. Yeah, he's around that age. So, but I think that should be the main purpose of this: the fact that there's a player right now that allows us to have this conversation. 
Yeah. Um, it's also the only reason why the Cavaliers might have a chance in the NBA Finals. Yeah. He, I mean, <clears throat> after I, – I almost think the 2015 Finals, him making that competitive without Love and Kyrie, I mean, that was almost crazier to me than – than the coming back from the three one deficit last year, um, and but but both of them together just make me think. I, I understand why a lot of people think it'll be kind of a route for Golden State. A lot of people are even picking sweep. But after seeing what LeBron did in each of those last two finals, it's really it's gotten tough for me to imagine a, a series that isn't at least competitive. I mean, I still think the Warriors will win, but <laughs> LeBron. He might be good enough for two wins just by himself. Yeah, I. it's just, it's so hard for me. I've been going back and forth with my predictions, and I, I see the case for this to not even be close, just because yeah. it was almost not close last year until the Draymond Green suspension, and that was when you had Harrison Barnes as opposed to Kevin Durant. Yeah. <laughs> and with the the way that Stephen Curry and Kevin Durant are playing off each other right now is just... Unlike, Those two are playing at a ridiculous level it's right just, now. It's effortless, it looks like. And, and so that, that concerns me. But watching LeBron and the way he just bends everything to his will, or so it seems, I, I do feel like he's worth two wins, at least. And yeah. it, it's so hard to wrap your mind around that, hey, you could, you could say the Warriors are going to sweep the Cavaliers and not sound ridiculous, but you just have LeBron James here. And the way he's playing, this is the best version of him we've ever seen, in my opinion, because I don't think... It's certainly up there. Right. The whole, like, we're so... The whole, even the approach of, well, if you can turn him into a jump shooter, you have a chance. That's so outdated because it doesn't even come close to working. It's definitely not working right now. This this postseason, um, he's shooting 57% from the field and 42 from three. Uh, jump shooting has not been a problem. Have you looked him, at his percentages around the rim and from two-point range? He's at 60-plus percent from two-point range. I think he's near 70% around the rim. So it's just... Jeez. In the playoffs? Yeah. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. And yet, even if... Can you see a scenario, I guess, is the real question then, in which the Cavaliers win the finals? He's... Before I answer that, he is at 77.5% within three feet. Oh, it's good that I, under, I undersold his percentage around That's the That's unreal. Um, yeah, I do think they have a chance. Because <laughs> the last two years, both times I, I was one of those guys who just, I, I didn't see any possible way they could compete. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to go there again <laughs> with a LeBron James team. I just... I just think having the best player in the world and probably the best player ever has to mean something. I, I don't think you can automatically count them out. Um, as good as Kevin Durant is and as good as him and Curry have been playing this postseason, like we've already mentioned, I, I don't see either one of them outperforming LeBron in the finals. I think he'll be the best player again. I think we'll probably hear discussions for the third straight year. Um even if the Cavs lose, should LeBron be finals MVP? I, I think that's going to come up again. Um, so, no, it wouldn't surprise me. Like I've already said, I, I do think the Warriors will win. But a monster series from LeBron, two or three monster games from Kyrie, maybe one huge game from Kevin Love, I, I don't think it's out of the question that they can get to four wins. What needs to happen? It's, or what even well, needs to go wrong for the Warriors? 
I think what needs to happen for Cleveland is that they're already among, I think they lead the playoffs in, um, I know they lead in true shooting percentage. I know they lead in offensive rating. I think they're like second or third in three-point attempts. I think they might need to shoot even more threes. Um, they they just have to they have to mess with that that variable enough to where they they just gotta flat out score them is what I'm trying to say because <laughs> um, their defense. Although it's been like a little bit better in the playoffs than it was in the regular season, I don't think it has a prayer against the Warriors. Um, so they've got to completely like Mori ball this thing up, and I don't think they're afraid to do that. I, I think they have loaded this roster with guys who are willing to be that that catch and shoot option off the LeBron's drives, and I think they've got to rely on that as heavily as they ever have. Even even though they're already <laughs> one of the most three point happy teams in the league. I tend to agree with that. The the risk there is, I guess there's two main ones. Is is one, the Warriors might just let LeBron waltz into the paint at that point and score twos if the Cavaliers yeah. c- continue to make threes at a 43.5% clip and they're hitting almost 15 a game. I They're shooting 34 a game. That number would probably be a little bit higher, I, I think, if you were took out garbage time or maybe it wouldn't be. They need to shoot closer to 50. But I was, Yeah, I was going to say I'd push that even higher. So I think it, so. There's that risk, but then the other thing is, is if there's a night where you're just not hitting shots, because Golden State could theoretically just try and go one on one at every position, and on the moments LeBron passes, you're not necessarily going to have these easy looks. And if you miss a shot and there's a long defensive rebound, Golden State is just blitzing down the I floor think- into transition. And and while Cleveland's fast break defense has been better during the playoffs. They haven't really been tested. The Toronto didn't have Kyle Lowry for half the second round. That the Celtics missed Isaiah Thomas for most of the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I don't think that they have a puncher's chance in hell of winning a series in which the Warriors are allowed to get out in transition. I think there there will be a couple of those games, um, and they just kind of have to accept that, and they'll probably get destroyed <laughs> in those <laughs> games. Um, but they also. <clears throat> They, I think they do give themselves a puncher's chance if they have one of those games where they hit like 15 to 23s. Um, to me, it's it's just a lot harder for me to see them keeping pace if they're not at least starting with that advantage. I no. mean, and all this is to say, like, even if they do <laughs> have a game where they hit 15 to 23s, I still don't think it's a given that they would win that game because Golden State is is every bit as capable as they are offensively. Right, and the issue kind of becomes then, we know both these teams are going to hang points on the board. Uh, the Cavaliers are averaging over 120 points per 100 yeah, possessions of the playoffs, which is just, they, they have almost a five-point edge over the Warriors, and yet the Warriors are making up that difference and more on the defensive end. Yep. And I don't know that Cleveland will be able to counter or slow Golden State's offense to the degree that Golden State can slow their offense. I just, Mike Prada at SB Nation penned a fantastic piece on this, and I'd been thinking about it for a little bit. It's how do you defend the the Warriors if you're the Cavs? The one thing Cleveland has done and that everybody knew about even before they reached the Eastern Conference Finals, they were doubling a lot of guys, and that that was not only made even easier because these uh, these teams weren't superstar-laden, but it was made easier than that because those teams, some of those teams were missing stars. 
you can double Celtics and know that Isaiah Thomas isn't there, or you know that Kyle Lowry wasn't on the floor. Uh-huh. You can't if you double Steph at at the timeline, he'll he'll pass it once, and then they'll pass it again, and they'll it'll be in the hands of the open guy, even if you rotate perfectly. Yeah, that's a huge like. One of the one of the things they kind of had in their back pocket the last couple of years was they felt like they could rough up Stephen, Stephen Curry a little bit. Um, like you said, that's not the case anymore. Because if you if you go real heavy on him, it's just get the ball to Kevin Durant. Um, right. right, and I was I actually I needed to write about this yesterday when uh, Bleacher Report released its um, predictions. Oh, excuse me, it's uh-huh. All NBA Playoffs team, and I was writing something on it and Kevin Durant uh, when he's in he's in isolation he's shooting 47.4 percent when he's in the post he's shooting 68.4 percent he's been one of the best post players in the league for a few years now and it's just like so even if you put the Warriors into these force them into these half-court situations I use force in quotation marks you know they're they might not be as efficient all the time but they're, they're still beat built to beat you yeah, absolutely. And to go back to a point you made earlier, too, um, that Golden State has such a significant edge on defense. I I don't see many players who can just take away a warrior. Like, maybe LeBron can take away a guy for stretches of games. Um, I think the Warriors do have someone who can – they can at least take away Kevin Love with Draymond Green. Um I, I think that's. Pro- I don't think they'll ever be able to take away Kyrie or LeBron, but just the fact that they can at least take out one of Cleveland's stars, that right there is a huge advantage. Because I don't think, I don't think there's any way to hold down like more than. <laughs> I mean, even if you slow down Stephen Curry for a quarter or something, like we've said already, there's Kevin Durant, um, there's Clay Thompson, there's Draymond Green. There's just so many options for them to go to. So many fallbacks. Um, I, I just don't see any way they can slow them down for sustained stretches. It just it's really hard for me to imagine. And even if you do, th- there could be a game in which the Warriors only play a total of let's say six to eight minutes of really good basketball, and th- they'll still win. That's because that's what they did to a lot of teams leading up. I I, I remember distinctly like every single one of the Jazz games was that way. Right. They they, they played them even for like forty minutes, and the Warriors played like crazy Warriors basketball for seven or eight, and that was all they needed. I just I can't imagine, and even you said it, so I'm wondering how you can envision Cleveland winning, unless. <laughs> it, if, I mean, I just I just keep coming back to LeBron. Like, yeah. I could see him averaging like thirty five, ten, and ten, and them squeaking by. I mean, they've already won a game seven in, in Golden State, so maybe they have like that confidence in their back pocket. So like I've said a few times, I, I would pick Golden State, but I just, nothing he will do anymore will surprise me. Um, it, so much for them probably depends on will there reach a point where pe- people won't be concerned if Kevin Love can't be on the floor against the Warriors. We kind of saw it in last year's NBA Finals, and Kevin Love stepped up in, in Game 7 um, on some defensive plays. But we saw the Cavaliers without him in that series, and, and they were able to play. What if it becomes clear for some reason that Tristan Thompson all of a sudden can't be on the court when you have Draymond Green at the five? We, we've seen that Thompson can can hold his ground in those situations in the past. 
But if it if if it gets to that stage where the Warriors have somehow forced the Cavaliers to not only pull one of their starting front court guys, but the second one in Thompson, who's probably more valuable it, just in, in terms of what he does with the dirty work. Kevin Love is by far the better player. He's been fantastic on the defensive glass um, during the postseason. But I don't know, do you throw LeBron at center? Do you have enough wings to know to play with LeBron and Tristan Thompson to know that you can just stick Thompson on, on the weakest link, regardless of who it is on the other side? It's It's fascinating to me to see how the Warriors will run their rotation and then to see if the Cavaliers, one, how they respond, but two, if they can successfully respond to the Warriors' lineups. Yeah, I think Tristan Thompson is super important. I I think he was the big reason they were able to kind of slow things down and muck it up a little bit each of the last two years because he could really dominate the boards inside. Um, I think I, I would love to see some LeBron at the five lineups, like you mentioned. I like you said, though, I don't know if they have. I mean, let's try and build that lineup out. It would be LeBron at the five, and obviously Kyrie at the one, and and I guess Jr. Shumpert, and <laughs> who's your who's your fifth in that lineup? Like, if you throw Richard Jefferson out there, that's that's quite a weak link. Um, Shumpert's already kind of a weak link at the at the wing. Um, this is something I mentioned in a radio interview recently too. There's just it seems like the Warriors have so much more depth, too. So even if the Cavaliers do want to get a little creative and crazy and play some LeBron at the five um, and, and kind of neutralize or match Draymond at the five, it's really hard to put together a lineup that, that makes sense that way. I honestly was surprised that they released uh, Liggins at the end of the season because I thought— That was such a dumb move to me, but go ahead. Right, and maybe it would have been—if they would have went and signed Josh Smith, like I thought that maybe they were going to— it might have made a little bit more sense. Yeah, that would have made more sense. Yeah, but to replace him with Dante Jones, he's not gonna see like he's not he's not gonna help you. Liggins could have helped you defensively in the event that you needed to run super yeah. small. and maybe I don't another think there lineup. was any there was no situation in which Dante Jones was gonna be better than Liggins in the postseason. I I don't understand what they were doing there. I don't either. I, maybe Dante Jones is closer with James. That, yeah, that's got to be the only. The only possible thing, but you'd think he's smart they, enough to. Maybe they were counting on J.R. Smith getting healthy and was just going to be very good defensively. And he hasn't. There have been stretches in the playoffs where he's been. But there's just good, there's but... nothing that Dante Jones can give him that Liggins couldn't, right? Oh no, I don't. I it just seems so weird to me. I I found that bizarre as well. So, but he would have been. Yeah, that would have helped for sure. Yeah. So, and and again, I think the Cavaliers is first instincts will be to not counter when the Warriors go yeah, small. I think they're probably still better off with, or best off with Thompson at the five and LeBron at the four. That That's probably their best bet. I, I do think because of how well Kevin Love has played and, and he's shooting 47.5% from three-point range during the playoffs, he's been an absolute monster on the defensive glass, as I said before. They, they might even just try and keep both of them in and we'll see how long they stick with it. I don't know that that's ideal, but that I believe is not just their first preference, but the the thing they're going to try and force is not to let the Warriors dictate um, who yeah. they're running out. I would, I mean, I would like to see him be able to play well enough to to stay on the floor in this series. I think he makes Cleveland a lot more interesting, and and he showed <laughs> it was just a one play sample size, but that that defensive standing he had against Curry at the end of Game Seven 
last year said a lot. I think if he's really, um, if he's really dedicated and locked in, I think he can at least be passable enough to stay on the floor. But that should have we'll been his see. entire <laughs> off season. He should have just like been in these simulated situations where he was <laughs> defending point guards and small forwards and, and everybody. Maybe he was. Yeah, that's true. I was just watching. Uh, <clears throat> it was just during the Boston series, and I know he's he's been kind of the slimmer version of Kevin Love for a few years, but something about him popped out in that uh, Boston series. I just thought, man, he looks really skinny, and I thought maybe that's why he's able to stay on the floor a lot more this postseason. He's just in better shape. I don't think he's really lost much in terms of rebounding from the weight loss either. No, I think he's posting... It he just looks like he's in a lot better shape. I, I think this has actually been the best defensive rebounding uh, playoffs of his career. Obviously, it's only his third time. But yeah, he's grabbing 31.4% of opponents' misses when he's on the floor. Yeah, so it hasn't hurt his rebounding at all. So, I mean, it helps when you have Tristan Thompson kind of boxing out the, the, most, the best rebounder on the other side. But yeah... Uh, uh, it'll be. I don't know. It's, the Warriors are just such a different animal. Where we went into the playoffs, and I was probably one of the ones who doubted the Cavs. I always thought they'd make it to the NBA Finals, but I just didn't think that they were going to be able to waltz through the East until things really got going. And then you're watching them, and you think, "Wow, this they're they're even better against the Warriors than we think." Look at how well they're playing right now. But then you just look at the Warriors, and you start talking about the Warriors. They're just such a different beast. It's Jerry yeah. West in that in that piece. Um, where was I reading this? Oh, in that piece, Lee Jenkins published a piece at SI.com today where, where Jerry West, who works for the Warriors, was talking about how he wanted to leave um, one of the Warriors' playoff games against the Spurs because they were winning by too much. <laughs> yeah, it's absurd. I, um, I think the teams that they played were definitely better than what Cleveland faced in the East, too. And, and they just... They went through all of them like they were nothing. I think San Antonio could have been interesting. There's there's almost no question that they were going to win game one before Kawhi went down. Um, and maybe they look a little bit more vulnerable if they win that series in six instead of four. But just from like a macro level, they, they have just looked so utterly dominant this entire postseason. Um, I'm with you, though. Cleveland did look... I mean, there were there were flashes during the postseason where I thought, wow, maybe Cleveland does have a chance. I mean, that 41-point lead over Boston at halftime in the Eastern Conference Finals, I thought, holy cow. This, <laughs> this team is playing at a different level um, than they ever have, so maybe they do have a shot. I, I really wish they both would have been undefeated. I think that would have been a fun storyline. I know you wanted a little more competition in the Conference Finals, but... Yeah, in, in sort of a roundabout way, I'm agreeing with you. The Warriors just look, they look like such a juggernaut right now. Um, and to maybe tie this back to our original conversation, if LeBron beats this juggernaut, uh, I, don't, I don't know how anybody can possibly say he's not the best well, ever. Yeah, right now it's a discussion, and I, I think it's a debate that he wins or that you can at least say he wins without sounding even close to ridiculous. But if he beats the Warriors twice in a row after they've put together the best three-year stretch in NBA history with this talent, everyone in their prime, being the underdog again. And I know people even use that against him. Well, Jordan never would have been the, the underdog. Like Jordan yeah. never went up against a team like this. No, not even close. So I don't know how you would argue against him. There would be none. It would be, 
this this ring, the one for Cleveland probably counted as two or three championships. This ring would count as ten. It's just. Yeah. I mean, it's we've. I think we've talked about this before, but. Um, I don't think there's ever been a more absurd collection of players on one roster than there is in, in Golden State. They won 73 games last year. Curry had the best offensive season of all time. And they added, in my opinion, a top two or three scorer in the history of the NBA. That's a fact. I No arguments here. It's just, I, it's even. And if he was to beat that, I mean, that's, he's unassailable at that point. Right. And, it's just Clay Thompson has not been good over the last six to eight games, and they haven't missed a beat. And yeah. I think the one thing that might have given opposing teams and probably the Cavaliers some hope is if Draymond carried his sub 31% clip from three-point range into the postseason because then you can kind of treat him like Harrison Barnes. And He's been ridiculous too. 47.4, I think, he's knocking down. It's just end 50 of his 53, I, I did look at this, 50 of Draymond Green's 53 three-point attempts in the playoffs have been with a, with, um, a, a defender four or more feet away from, away from him, so open or wide open. 50 of 53. That's, I mean, how do you defend the Warriors? I mean, they're the, always going to have at least one or two guys that are that open, I think. And I think that Draymond Green's been blatantly left open. There have been times I was, I was watching... A little bit of the Spurs series, but that seems like it could have been miscommunication. But against the Jazz and the Blazers, it just looked like there were times they were going to treat him like Marcus Smart. And it just, that's, maybe that's the approach that you live and die with, but it's, it's, you're, you're going to die with it if, if he's shooting that high of a percentage from three. Um, yeah, he's been unreal. I, uh, I, I was just looking up. Him and Curry are both posting top 25 all-time playoff box plus minuses. Um, I'm thinking LeBron's probably in here somewhere too. And to correct myself, Draymond Green is shooting 47.2% from three in the playoffs. That's two hundredths of a percent. How dare you? I know. I, I oversold him. The Cavaliers will be fine. They just need to <laughs> cheat off him every single possession. As just sort of a side note, I'm I'm – just sort of perusing the the top playoff runs ever by box plus minus. LeBron James is in here. <laughs> uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times in the top forty. Jeez, and considering <laughs> some of the teams he had in Cleveland uh, the first time around, that's and that Cleveland one is the, so. Um, his first go round in Cleveland is actually the best. Playoff box plus minus ever. In 2008-09, he was at 18.2. And the number two box plus minus all time for a playoff run is 14.8. Not even close. Kareem in 76-77. Good God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Insane. Um, I kind of want... I was thinking about pivoting. Let's talk about... What happens uh, based on who loses? I, I don't remember if you mentioned this in the podcast or before we started recording, but if Cleveland loses and it's not even close, um, is there any way they can make a run at Chris Paul or, or I don't know, any kind of a shakeup? And would you if you were Cleveland? I, if Cleveland doesn't play well in this series, there's going to be an overreaction because that's the urgency attached to having LeBron James. He's, yeah. 
he's been so good, but his window is still now, and he's not going to accept anything less. The rumors are going to start up again, and they'll have Kevin Love in them. They'll have Kyrie Irving in them. The the one I floated as like the pie in the sky idea is while it seems like LeBron loves Kyrie Irving, if you could do a sign and trade for I think this works. I'd have to double check it under the parameters, but sign and trade Chris Paul to the Cavaliers for Kyrie Irving um, and Amon Shumpert. Do you consider it if you're Cleveland because Chris Paul is such an upgrade defensively? It's again, it's so far out of the periphery right now, and and I think Cleveland would have if they're even remotely competitive. The Cavaliers, they'll stay pat and be like, oh, well, let's just hope that a ring chaser comes to us and we can tip mm-hmm. this or something. But if they really get beat, even if it's in six games and, and the contests just aren't close, is that is that the type of move you consider? Because it's an upgrade in the short term for the next maybe, let's say two to three, maybe four if you're lucky years, but long term, looking four, five, six years down the line, I don't know what you say. Is that a is that a type of reaction that you see if they get beat badly? Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I am a masterful NBA two K GM, oh, uh, as you may <laughs> as you may already know. And the Chris Paul to Cleveland thing is something that I've wondered about for a couple of years now. And I'm obviously not alone in that. I, I think that rumors floated around the internet quite a bit. If it is not competitive, like you just uh, said, I would absolutely entertain that. If, if you could get every party to kind of um, go along, uh, I absolutely think he's a, a significant upgrade in the short term. Um, defensively and I honestly think he's probably better offensively too I, I think he can do a lot of what Kyrie does as a scorer and he's obviously the better facilitator which you don't necessarily need on a team that has LeBron but just imagining the the passing and the possibilities uh that having both Chris Paul and LeBron James on the floor would open up I I just it would be one of the best passing duos maybe the best passing duo in the history of the NBA I would I would absolutely entertain it um, and probably even do it if, if you could make everything work. But I, at the same time, I do agree with you that you're a lot better set up for longevity and, and maybe a dynasty if you can keep this core intact because Kyrie is obviously quite a bit younger than Chris Paul. But yeah, if it's, if it's a massacre, um, their, their rumors are going to be floating left and right. Would you do it? I mean, what would you go for, long term or short term? I don't think I would do it as much as I would like to see it because then all of a sudden you're going to be paying LeBron James and Chris Paul so deep into their 30s because James yeah. will opt out after next year. Paul is going to get a four-year deal uh, in in this scenario. I wonder if this would be interesting, and, and maybe it wouldn't be, but the, the smarter decision might be can you dangle – I'm assuming you couldn't use Kevin Love as the primary bait, but let's say Kevin Love or Kyrie Irving trying to get Jimmy Butler – would probably be the better fit for this team just because he's the right blend. That would be interesting. Right. And the Bulls would have to want to hit reset, and Kyrie Irving is still younger than Jimmy Butler. They have a need at point guard. Uh, but the, but that would be the type of move. I think you would have to go after somebody younger. It's just I don't see – again, Chris Paul and LeBron James I think would be fantastic, but you, you're kind of – there's a chance you're limiting yourself to this two-year window of being better than you were before. 
Yeah, that's true. I've never heard Butler attached to the Cavs. That would be a nightmarish forward combo. But that's the type of move you would need to make. Would be like Shumpert. <laughs> yeah, and I think I'm, I'm on for Butler. You don't. I mean, that the upshot is is that Chicago has to be super high on Irving because you're not getting I would, a pick. I would be pretty. Uh, I would be interested if I'm Chicago at least because there's already been a lot of overtures about um, friction between Jimmy Butler and the front office and. They're obviously kind of mired in oh, and mediocrity with the way things are right now. So the thing I, I, didn't, I don't think they'd be opposed to a reset. Right, and he's under contract. Uh, Kyrie Irving is under contract for as long as Butler. He has a player option in 2019, 2012, before 2019. Here's the thing. Would, uh, would that be a better offer than what Boston could give? My first inclination is... Probably not. Because, probably not. Because Boston's Boston not going to give that, I, I think, is... Is Boston's not giving up? They would probably give next year's pick, though, don't you think? Or no? Yeah, but have they, we already? Oh, would you? I think if you could get Butler for just the, you know, for let's say filler and the 2018 Nets pick, that's very appealing. Um, yeah, that's a great deal, I think. The and but if if that's the deal that's but on the Kyrie, table, I mean, the thing about than, that is, yeah, we already know what Kyrie is. The draft pick is always in, it, but, at least kind of unknown. Right, but then the Bulls have to have confidence in their ability to build around Kyrie. But again, I think Butler's going to be 28 when next season tips off, and Kyrie Irving will still only be 25. That that would yeah. be it. Would I think it would be a starting point? The Cavs don't literally don't have anything else to give up. They would have to trade what a 2021 first round pick, and maybe may, may yeah. the Bulls. Do that, Kyrie Ultimately, the safer route is probably just keeping Kyrie. Oh, without question. But yeah, and or maybe they still would probably view Kevin Love as more expendable. I just don't know who you move. Yeah, that's Kevin. true. Kevin Love isn't going to get you the player that pushes you over the top. Nor do I think he gets you a combination of players that can yeah. do that. Because Boston, regardless, there, there will be his name will be all over the place if it's a if it's a Warriors in dominating fashion. Right, and the the Cavaliers could trade there. Um, oh no, they would have to. There, I think twenty twenty two is the soonest they can trade there. Wow, pick. That's crazy. Yeah, because they have the pick to Atlanta's protected through two thousand twenty. So wow. Um, yeah. Okay. What about? Uh, is there any chance the Warriors would entertain anything if they lose? It would only be quite Thompson, right? That that's all I'm thinking of, yeah. <laughs> but where do you? And go- I think there's, I think there's merit to that. I um, if they lost, I I would not be surprised to hear rumors start popping up about him. Here's the thing: what is you know, Clay Thompson is going to make seventeen point eight million dollars next year. What mm-hmm. are you What are you turning him into? The, it's just you cap know, relief, uh, tax relief, which they don't need. Right, but, the, um, tax, a tax relief trade would be stupid if you think that for some reason you can maybe turn him into two or three players because you know Sean Livingston is going to leave. Uh, maybe you know Iguodala is coming back, but really can't shoulder the same workload. I, would I, you? I mean, this this doesn't really make sense with Golden State's timeline. But what if you could get a top three pick for him? Could you trust? Could you trust anyone in this draft to come in and be a contributor on that team? I mean, they wouldn't be asked to do much on a team that already has Play Curry. Defense. And, Josh Jackson, maybe. Josh Jackson is an interesting one to me, for them. Would 
I mean, the Lakers probably aren't giving up two. I don't think the Celtics would give up one. The Sixers would probably the give Sixers up Sixers is the team I always come back to. And Josh Jackson will probably fall that far. But, like I already said in the last scenario with Kyrie Irving, um, there's obviously no guarantee that Josh Jackson or uh, Malik Monk or whoever else they might take there ends up being what Clay Thompson already is. This is in, what what is interesting though is they're eventually going to have to think about this because you're going to re-sign Stephen Curry for five years. Yep. Dre, uh, Kevin Durant's going to get the supermax. Draymond's going to get the supermax. Well, eventually, it's a problem. Yeah, Draymond Green is slated for a free agency. Oh wow, Draymond Green's not a free agent until 2020, and Clay's a free agent in 2019. And Durant, he might still sign a one plus one this year, right? Yeah. So, but even with the way that, with the way the the CBA is structured now, I think almost every single team is going to need one or two contributors who are on rookie contracts. Oh, without question, first round because there's just so much tied into um, your top two or three guys. Even with the the rookie scale going up, the first round picks are just so valuable in terms oh, of yeah. what they'll provide on the court relative to their pay scale. And the other thing that I like about this scenario that's almost certainly not going to happen is um, the idea of Clay Thompson as like the floor spacer for Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid is pretty is pretty fun to me too. You could, I mean, would the Sixers go? But then he's still an expiring contract. But number three, and let's say Robert Covington, that has to be a package. Covington could help Golden State. He's an awesome defensive player. He's also a free agent after next year, but he's pr- he probably won't cost that much. Would be yeah. my guess. Or if you wanted more young assets, maybe you maybe you think Timothy Timothy Lawawu Cabrero ends up being good, but yeah, that that's was more a pretty of a, good pronunciation. Play. Yeah, <laughs> Justin Anderson would be the same deal. Yeah, but I think Covington's a guy that would help them right away. Uh, Covington and number three, if you're you have to want a combination of hoping that you don't lose anything on the court um, while trying to trim salary. That's the only motivation you use it for but I think if the Warriors get beat even if they get beat bad I think they're far less likely to make changes than the Cavs would yeah, be if they that's were probably there. true the other thing though is I thought as as kind of an overreaction would be it kind of seems like there's this weird thing between Stephen Curry and Warriors ownership like Joe LaCobe and uh, Curry imagine, imagine if Joe LaCobe just didn't want to give Stephen Curry the Supermax like imagine if he like floated that's... The possibility of Curry taking a pay cut or something like could you? Could That's you, really hard for me to imagine. <laughs> me too, but it seems like because he says such brazen things, I could almost <laughs> envision it. And after Curry playing on this, four Curry year, going to Charlotte. Yeah, that would be a terrible. Here's career another move. one. What if? Uh, so I yeah I don't. <laughs> that's really hard for me to believe. After what he's done but the if, last couple if, of years, it's like okay. But take this exact situation. Everything that's happened with the Warriors. Which owner out there is more likely to try and make that happen than JL? <laughs> Light years ahead, JL. Yeah. Well, who's I mean, more? I could. <laughs> I I think just about every front office in the league after the last three or four years of what Curry. Right, but I'm saying if you had to pick would... one, who would <laughs> who would be the one? Uh, you got me. I would probably pick him. He's it, the one guy who might. I would say the Knicks, like but James Dolan doesn't actually know basketball, so he probably wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, 
And he's he's turned the reins over to Phil, so that's the ultimate. And the Kings would probably offer know. Curry a lifetime deal if they could, because they want to pair him with Stephen Curry 2.0 and Buddy Heald. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't see that happening. I don't either, <laughs> but I'm glad that we agree that if there is an owner, yeah, to he's, do he might be crazy enough. What if uh, what if Golden State loses and there's more drama with Draymond Green? Um, you absolutely cannot trade Draymond Green. It's just. Reading, there was a quote from David West that he told, um, I think it was provided by Matt Moore over at CBS, but I'm, maybe he told the rest of the media this as well, was just that Draymond is basically the heartbeat of the players holding each other accountable. And that's not only what makes the players work so well, it's what allows the coaching staff to really focus on X's and O's rather than keeping the team like emotionally balanced and in check. You, you can't... I missed that. That's a good quote. I'm a big fan of the analytics of it all, and I understand that he really screwed them over last year but mm-hmm. uh, I you can't this that intangible if that's how it is and this is a guy that's coming in David West for the first that's just I mean Draymond Green's a guy who yelled at Kevin Durant in the middle of a big game and, and yeah. kind of flailed his arms in the middle of that the stuff is important yeah so sure. he's if I had to rank players that the Warriors can't live without it's I still have Curry first but Draymond Green is second above Kevin Durant for me I mean they're yeah I think the, that stuff is super important, his leadership and all that. Um, there have been whispers over the last couple of years that he kind of grates on guys too, though. Like maybe he takes that stuff too far. And if it just boils over in the finals, I, maybe no. I'm not saying would they trade him. I, I, I think there would at least be rumblings. Yeah, maybe. That would be – excuse me, I'm yawning. Um, that would be, to me, a terrible decision because I guess if he's – really getting to like your other key guys, but wasn't it Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson who were super frustrated when that, um, it was a good piece by Ethan Strauss when he was at ESPN.com over the summer when that Draymond Green piece came out that really delved into his personality and how it impacts the organization. Oh, wasn't, I remember that. Weren't yeah. Curry and Thompson like pissed? I think everybody was kind of upset about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do think his teammates value him and at this point probably understand how valuable he is just the way he is. Yeah, I like like we've said a few times. Any of these scenarios we've talked about are super unlikely. I but. just can't see the Warriors like reacting that way after because. Yeah, it's it's more likely with Cleveland, I think. And it's more. I'm trying to think of a good like Kevin Love deal that would arise or that would become. I just don't. I don't know where it is. Who needs a power forward that does the things he does as their as their number one option. I'm not trying to, you know, denigrate his play value, but it it just seems like it'd be easier for them to get a better return for Kyrie Irving who's younger, plays point guard, yeah. um, is one of the best ISO scorers in the game. Yeah, I don't I would I don't really one the the Jazz have been thrown out as like an option for him when Kevin Love rumors creep up in the last couple of years, but I don't really know what Cleveland would want from them. Yeah, Rodney Hood would have to be involved, but he's about to get paid. And he also just came oh, up and he has a, yeah, and he's yeah, he's he took quite a big step back this year. I can't really think of any other teams. The where Lakers maybe, so just, they think like, that they could recruit away. Russell Westbrook. Uh, yeah, maybe. But they don't have you would I mean Ingram is still so raw and, and the Lakers loving Yeah, they don't really have assets that would help right, right away either. Um and, Paul and George, Magic has kind of made it sound like he wants to build with those young guys. The Pacers, I think before Larry Bird resigned, he told, I'm giving a lot of shout-outs to this podcast, but he told Zach Lowe in an ESPN.com piece that the Pacers can't afford to bottom out. So maybe 
if you're going to lose Paul George anyway, does Cleveland kind of sell them on, hey, you know, Kevin Love, Miles Turner, front court of the future? Yeah, and, that's an interesting combo. So, I mean, that maybe... Because Turner can cover for some of the defensive They would probably still want Kyrie for Paul George, I'm sure, but... Uh, yeah. That might be a route they go. If they could get a Butler or George, that's what they really need. If they're swapping out Kyrie or Love, a Butler or George type player, which I guess at this point is actually Butler or George, has yeah. to be coming back. <laughs> yeah, I've never really thought about either of those guys with Cleveland just because there's been so much noise with them in Boston. Um, but either one of them is that's, – that's obviously a really scary combination with LeBron. Right, and Indiana's unique because they're, unlike Chicago, they're a place that can't necessarily rebuild the the long route. You know, they're not going to chase the number one pick. That just yeah. is not a sustainable model for those types of markets. You know, maybe maybe that could work. I'm, again, I root for chaos, so I'm not saying I'm rooting. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm not rooting for the Cavaliers to, to lose. I want six or seven great games. I don't care necessarily wins but i will say as an advocate for bedlam that if they lose the offseason will be so much more fun compared to if the warriors lose yeah i agree with you i'm a big fan of chaos too um to kind of put a bow on it though i i think regardless of who loses both teams probably come back mostly intact um the same way that they are now and my, I, I don't think either one of us has given like an official prediction on the podcast to this point, but I'm going to take somebody. I think it was Chris Towers on CBS said that Warriors and Six is definitely the coward's pick for this series. Um, but I, I have some solace in the fact that I made that pick before he said that. So I'm still okay with it, and that's still what I'm going with. Yeah, I mean, I'll take being the coward's pick and just say Warriors, <laughs> Warriors and Six. It's just, it's it LeBron seems like James. the safest. Yeah. It does seem like the safest because how can you be. You know, if you get swept, it's, well, you know, who, I, I don't know. It's But I, at the same time, like, the sweep is not, th- that's the crazy thing about this finals to me, is there's so many different outcomes that are not insane to me. Like, the sweep doesn't sound crazy, and the Cavaliers winning at seven doesn't sound crazy to me. It would be amazing if the Cavaliers swept. That <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that one sounds crazy. Y- you talk about chaos. <laughs> yeah, that's true. J.R. Smith would never wear a shirt again. <laughs> then the Clay Thompson and possibly Draymond Green rumors actually those, those would have some real heat behind Please, them. Please, if if Kevin Durant's not trying to get a meeting with the Spurs, if that happens, I, I mean, <laughs> oh man, yeah, that would be wild. Yeah, no, that, you gave me an outcome that would be surprising. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I go Warriors in six, and that was my pick beforehand. If you would have asked me, I would say before the playoffs started and told me this matchup was going to happen, I would have said Warriors in five, but. I do think it matters to some extent the way LeBron James and some of his teammates played just rolling through the East. Yeah, they've been unbelievable offensively. You know, this is, we talked about this last podcast with the Spurs, but it could be a situation where, you know, yes, the the Cavaliers have had a bunch of rest, but the Warriors have had more in the grand scheme of things. The Cavaliers are kind of more used to this rest, it seems like. And LeBron James, this could be the game where they catch the Warriors just off guard in game one completely. And it's not, yeah. it's not necessarily because... Oh, that changes the outlook quite a bit, I think, if that happens. Right. If the Warriors were... Because they were kind of stale in the beginning of that Spurs game. And if you can get out to a double-digit yeah. lead... And then avoid Zazo Pachulia's big feet coming under you. 
Yeah, but imagine if it happened again too. Like he's getting <laughs> oh my Ky- gosh. Kevin Love or Kyrie Irving. Oh my god. He may never see the light of day if, if that it, happened. If it was LeBron, um, I'd shudder to oh, think because he was already yeah. getting death threats, which is terrible. That's people Awful, are stupid. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, the reaction to that would be insane. Here's hoping. So let's knock on wood again. You had wood next to you. You better uh, do it again. Um, all right. Um, here's hoping Zaza <laughs> doesn't ruin the NBA finals. <laughs> <laughs> that's something we can all pull for um if uh, of course dan and i are on twitter if you want to talk to us about any of our piping hot takes that we had tonight <laughs> um i met andrew d bailey was warriors and six our hottest take that was our hottest take right? that was so lukewarm <laughs> piping hot take was me floating draymond rumors um, and you floating uh jimmy Stephen butler Curry. and paul george rumors <laughs> Those, those were, I mean, there was a lot of heat in this one now that I'm looking back on it. Oh, yeah, the Joel Cobb slander. We kind of, yeah, that was the hottest, I think. <laughs> Saying that he wouldn't offer Stephen Curry the full max. I'm, I'm giving it to you right there. All right. Um, I wear that. Tag, if you agree Bradley. with me, hit up Dan on Twitter at Dan Favalli, F A V A L E. Um, the show is at Hardwood Knox. As always, we would love to have you guys subscribe on iTunes, uh, Blog Talk Radio, leave us ratings or likes or whatever um, that platform calls for. And as always, um, we leave you with a shout out to a man who belongs in the finals, but isn't, unfortunately, Bino Udri. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.